0: Story 1 of Trolley Folly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Trolley Folly by Henry Wallace Phillips. Story 1. Trolley Folly. Jimmy Horgan's Foretaste of Fortune. It was a splendid office mahogany, plate-glass windows, and all that pertains to the uninteresting side of respectability. There was a lawyer there, sitting before his desk, a crisp, gray sort of lawyer, who looked as if, when you patted him gently, he would snap a finger off. One Jimmy Horgan was also there. Now, Jimmy was a careless youth, and a cheerful habit of sending people scattering acquired by managing the controller in the employment of the suburban trolley company gave him what might be called a cynico benevolent view of life he had learned that the human body was an unreliable vessel to hold so great a thing as a soul one bunt from his trusty car and the greatest alderman who ever received boodle for that same franchise promptly departed for heaven or its suburban districts he had made the proud to skip ahead ladies that one would not suspect of either agility or pliability had made creditable running long jumps merely because jimmy did not twist the brake bankers plutocrats and plumbers instantly dropped their accustomed airs of superiority and hiked out of that when jimmy's foot trod the gong this showed him clearly that at heart all men were simple the airs assumed were but a mask concealing a real desire to please jimmy may have belonged to one of the first families of ireland but his estate had fallen low so low in fact Then he held in his hand the incredible, and now, away from his platform of authority, he needs must tell the entrenched lawyer-man a strange tale. Strong of heart was Jimmy. He rallied. "'Your name Simmons?' he asked, with a grimy thumb indicating the signature on the letter he extended for the lawyer's inspection. "'Yes, sir,' barked the lawyer with severity. "'Who gave you that name?' inquired Jimmy in a spirit of levity. "'What is that?' returned the lawyer. Jimmy recalled himself to his position. "'Oh,' said he, "'I want to know whether this thing is a fake or not.' The lawyer extended a hand like a rat trap and snapped the letter toward him. "'Certainly not,' he said with decision. "'Certainly not. You have been left, through his dying intestate, by your maternal uncle the sum of five thousand dollars as i have acquainted you in this letter the lawyer coughed the cough of consequence this amount is in my care in fact it is deposited in my bank awaiting your orders jimmy leaned heavily on the office boy to support himself you don't look it he said to the lawyer but are you addicted to the use and abuse of strong things of any kind "'Sir,' said the lawyer. "'I slipped my trolley,' said Jimmy. "'I didn't know I had any maternal uncle. "'I didn't know he had five thousand dollars. "'I don't know where he got it, "'and I don't know where I am, "'nor why you are here, nor anything else.' "'He roused himself. "'Say,' said he, "'if you ain't got me down here to enjoy my looks, "'produce.' "'Hey?' said the lawyer. "'Yes,' said Jimmy. "'Just that. Hey, make it while the sun shines. Clear weather today. I don't savvy this thing up nor down. You let me have two hundred dollars, and it will look like business. All I want to do is to feel it. I have been trying to feel two hundred dollars for three years, and the nearest I've got to it is on the installment plan.' The lawyer pushed him a book. "'Make out a check,' said he. Jimmy swallowed all the air in the room, but yet made out the check. The lawyer looked at the check in the most detached fashion, called a man, and handed him the slip of paper. The man seemed weary. He took the piece of paper, walked toward an actual safe, opened a drawer with a real key— and pulled out from its secret hiding-place a bunch, or, as it seemed to Jimmy, a whole head of that tender, crisp, succulent plant, the long green. With a wet thumb, the weary man shredded off a certain number of leaves, and, showing disgust of life in every feature, placed them on the lawyer's desk. The lawyer eyed them glumly, wrapped them up with a practiced hand, "'and shoved them to Jimmy. "'There you are, sir,' he said. "'Anything else?' "'No,' said Jimmy dreamily. "'No, nothing else.' "'He turned away, bumped into the partition, "'begged its pardon most humbly, "'walked into a young woman who was uh, approaching "'with a basketful of letters, "'distributed wisdom all over the office, "'got spoken to plainly, "'tried to help the young woman collect the flying sheets.' and got spoken to still more sharply slid down the first four steps outside landed in the street in some fashion and then galloped toward a sign indicative of a life-saving station after safely embarking on a schooner he retired to a corner and examined the ten promises of our government for twenty dollars per promise at leisure they were so Boldly, he slapped one upon the bar. Doubtfully, the barkeeper opened his cash drawer. "'No good,' thought Jimmy, thinking this was an act of suspicion. But it was not. "'Say, young feller,' said the barkeeper, "'it's pretty early in the day to clean me out of change. Ain't you got nothing smaller than that?' From its lonesome abiding place in the bottom of a pocket filled with tobacco dust— Jimmy fished out a quarter, that one piece of Mr. Bryan's philosophy, which he had imagined to be all that stood between him and a joyless wait for payday. All right, said he. This proof that it was inability and not contempt that had shone in the barkeeper's eyes burned in James's heart like a little flame. He took out one twenty-dollar bill and put it in a separate pocket. $20 he could understand. He then made for the barns, wondering what man it was whose legs carried him so jauntily. This was the beginning of the great mystery the disappearance of car eight o nine. How so large and eminently practical a thing as a trolley car, a thing so blatantly modern and, withal, so hard and heavy, could vanish from the face of the earth and leave neither trace nor rack behind was a problem that caused silver threads to appear amid the gold and bald spots of the officers of the suburban trolley company with it went the motorman and conductor gone vanished vamoosed dissipated into thin air the thing was and then it was not that is all they ever knew about it the facts are these When James arrived at the yard, he approached his running mate and poked him in the chest with a dramatic forefinger. The running mate looked at the forefinger and then at James. "'Change your spots again?' he inquired. "'Nope,' said James, hitting himself mightily upon the chest. "'Here is Willie Wally Astor, and that's me.' "'Grounded again?' sniffed the conductor. "'Where do you feel it worst?' there ain't any worst said jimmy you come here and he seized him by the collar let go said the conductor but at the same time permitting himself to be jammed into a corner while the golden tale of sudden wealth was poured into his ears ah go on but the tones grew weaker and weaker and when jimmy produced his little pamphlet on high finance printed in green Proof to any eye the conductor fell upon his neck i always knew you was a kind of a little bird that could fly if you drew them feet off the ground he said call the turn we have got fifteen minutes said jimmy here we go fresh across the street to celebrate at this period the minds of both these worthy men were clear and free from any further operation than that natural to taking a drink but after that first drink and with the confidence bred of another to believe in that money james's mind extended itself he pounded the bar with his fist i'm dead sick and tired of going over the same old streets said he it occurs to me at times that I'll have to turn off Summers or bust. Yep, assented the conductor. That's right, too. All the time the same streets. All the time the same old dog that comes just so near getting pinched. All the time the same fat man waving his umbrella. "'All the time the same Dagoes with gunny-sacks filled with something "'and smelling with a strong Italian accent. "'All the time the same war over that transfer, "'after that same young lady has traveled a half a mile beyond where she ought to have got off. "'If I had another drink, I could feel very bad about this.' "'Let's,' said Jimmy. So the conductor felt very bad about it, and Jimmy, like the good friend he was, felt worse. "'Yes, sir,' said he. "'I just naturally will have to turn off Summers, or I surely will bust.' There gleamed a radiance from the crisp array before the mirror. Genius had hit Jimmy, hypnotic. "'Say, Tommy,' said he, "'we will turn off Summers.' "'If you'll go me on it, we'll take the old ambulance clear "'to the end of everything in sight this morning. "'There's more than forty thousand switches we ought to took long ago, "'and they can't stop us. "'If we get our jobs excused away from us, "'we can lean up against that five thousand until we're arrested.' "'Come along,' said he, inspiration working. "'Come on, old man.' "'Say,' said the conductor, I've got you faded. Don't care if I never work again. And as for jerking a piece of common clothesline every time a person with a mind to shoves one small nickel into my hand, why, I'm really tired of it. I've had ideas of a nobler life than this, Jimmy. They usually come after the sixth round. But when I think of that five thousand he stopped abruptly. They grabbed each other and made for the yard. "'Come on, you fellers!' yelled the starter. "'Get a wiggle on! You sir do now!' "'Comin', uncle!' said Jimmy in a sharp falsetto. "'Slowly comin', boomed the conductor. "'Ain't you got a gain this, though,' said the starter." The motorman elaborately placed one silver dollar in the hands of the starter and closed the latter's fingers upon it. "'Keep this,' he said, from many years' experience of viewing the hero leaving the lady of his choice with a sob in the orchestra. "'Keep this,' he repeated, waveringly, quaveringly, and tenderly. "'Do the same by yourself. This is a souvenirette of something you never heard of before.' The starter looked startled. "'Well,' said he. It was the only word in the English language that could express his feelings. "'Well,' he said. He looked at the dollar, and in the tone of a man bewitched, he cried, "'Give him the bell, Tommy. You're off.' Tommy pulled the strap. Adieu, Fare thee well. Good-bye. Ready,' he called. "'If we don't see you again—hello.' The starter waved his hand. The starter shook his head. Car 809 droned merrily along the track until she came to the first switch. Give us the high bush line, Jerry, said James. The melancholy man jabbed his iron into the track. High bush, North Pole, Heaven, or Hades, it was all one to him. Come on, he growled. "'and they came. "'Hey there, hey!' cried an excitable old gentleman "'as the car shot up the side street switch. "'I thought this car went through Lethe Street.' "'It used to,' answered Tommy soothingly. "'But it has got weary of it. plumb tired out.' "'Tired?' cried the old gentleman, blankly. "'Here, let me out,' he concluded with energy. He stood on the crossing until our brewery wagon was driven against him. "'Lunatics! Not a doubt of it,' he said to himself as he hopped to the sidewalk. There he waited, but in vain, for no other car would be sent forth until 809 past a certain turnout, which she had not the least intention of approaching this day. And that ruptured the schedule.' A sour-faced young man with a fighting jaw approached the car a few blocks further on. "Say, do yous go through Scrabblegrass Avenue?" he asked in a voice like a curse. "Now that depends," answered the blithe Thomas. "If we want to, we will. If we don't, we won't." "You feel like making it an object to us?" The sour-faced young man backed up a step. "'Say, you're a pretty fresh duck, ain't you?' he sneered. He quickly put on his most ferocious look. "'Now you listen to the toot of my little naughty old bilious horn,' said he. "'And if you don't, I'll mix you up with the machinery. "'I want to go to Scrabblegrass Avenue. "'Do you get that? "'The quicker I get there, the better. "'Do you get that?' He pushed his bulldog jaw into Thomas' face. Shoe fly said thomas making a light pass with his hand which caused a noisy rustle in the aftermath that grew upon the other man's extensive face sure he continued sure i get all these things of course he stopped the car he took the fighting-jawed man by the shoulder and pointed his finger at an angle of thirty-five degrees to the perpendicular and at right angles to the car track There's Scrabblegrass Avenue right over yonder, he said. Jump! Sometimes a fighting jaw merely implies a fighting character. It doesn't insist upon it. Do you mean I have got to walk? asked the sour-faced man. Sure thing, said Tommy, or else you'd like to have me kick you halfway there. Say, what's got into you this morning? gasped the stranger. It was Tommy's turn to scoff. He reached for the strap, smiling derisively. "'You ought to read the papers,' said he. "'Then you wouldn't act like such a lobster. Things ain't run like they used to be, my friend. Me and my partner has bought this car, and we're running it around, getting custom where we can.' "'Ain't there no more railroad company?' said the lost soul confronting him. "'Nope,' answered Tommy with a yawn. The whole trolley business is in the hands of private parties like us, and we're losing money on you by the second. Skip. From this on, 809 developed more eccentricities of character. Sometimes she stopped for passengers like a perfectly normal trolley car. But if Jimmy did not like the looks of people as they drew near, she bounded ahead like an antelope when the foot of habit was reaching for her step. Then, at a place of pleasant greenery, refreshing to the city eye, she often moved up and down the block several times while her managers enjoyed the change of scene. This attracted some attention. They always slowed the car fully to explain to the outlanders the strange new conditions existing in the trolley world. The passengers made no complaint. It is so much the custom for the free American to accept almost anything in uniform as a part of nature, and a nature that grows violent on provocation, that the half-dozen offspring of the eagle perched mildly upon their seats without complaint. Perhaps they liked it. One stout and jolly old gentleman enjoyed the discourse immensely, even joining in the spread of misinformation a pallid little woman with a very large baby timidly accosted jimmy she wanted to go to a certain place at least five miles distant on a branch line jimmy appealed to the chivalry of the passengers we have got your nickels said he but this here lady has been misled we feel as if we ought to take her to where she belongs no objections THE PASSENGERS LOOKED AT EACH OTHER AND SAID NOTHING. LET HER FLY, JIMMY. WE HAVE GOT TO MAKE THAT FIVE MILES IN SIX MINUTES TO KEEP UP WITH OUR IDEA OF THINGS, SAID TOMMY. THEY ARRIVED AT THE STREET, BUT THE LITTLE WOMAN'S DESTINATION WAS SEVERAL BLOCKS FROM THE TROLLEY TRACK. JIMMY ESCORTED HER, CARRYING HER BASKET, WHILE THE STOUT OLD GENTLEMAN, SAYING THAT HE WOULD LIKE TO STRETCH HIS LEGS, CARRIED THE BABY. In the meantime, the car that really belonged on that track came from the opposite direction. I will not repeat what that motorman said. There's a sign on all trolley cars. Don't speak to the motorman. It's a good piece of advice, because you might not like what the motorman would say to you in reply. He waved his hands and told 809 to get on about its business. He wanted to know why she was there, in a tone that made the fourth-story windows fly open. "'What do you mean by sitting there like a toad in a rainstorm, holding us up when we're twenty minutes late already?' He finished. Tommy spread his hands with a gesture of deprecation. "'Orders,' he replied in explanation. "'I can't help it.' "'Orders,' said the motorman. "'Orders? What are you tin-plated chumps doing in this part of the country, anyhow?' Tommy shrugged his shoulders. It's like this, he said. Old man Rockefeller has come to call on an old woman that used to cook for him. And the company's give him the rights of this car. My moat's taking him around to the house now. We've got to wait till he comes back. And you've got to wait, too, that's all. The other jumped in the air with astonishment and fury. Well, wouldn't that knock the frizzles out of your hair? "'said he. "'Those old devils can have anything they want, "'no matter what breaks, can't they?' "'That is just about the size of it, partner,' said Tommy. "'But here comes Jimmy. "'We'll spin back and turn out for you below.' "'Thank you, old man,' said the motorman. "'Much obliged. "'But I can tell you one thing. "'I'm going to join the ancient and honorable order "'of amalgamated anarchists this night.' "'You bet.' call on his cook and block the whole line. Well, this affair being arranged, 809 grasped the wire with her trolley, threw off her brakes, and went rushing forward to her fate. As she sped down Poulton Avenue, a party of young men with long hair ran out of a cafe, yelling wildly. Tommy pulled the bell. Stop her, Jimmy, he said. They look like our kind of people. Where are you going? asked the panting youth who arrived first. "'Any old place?' said Tommy. The youth stopped. Hey, said he. "'What's that?' said Tommy. "'Oh,' said the young man, "'I only wanted to know where you went to.' "'Answer same as before,' said Tommy. "'Any old place. We have broke loose from the tediousness of this darn commercial life, and we are taking in the United States to suit ourselves.' "'Do you mean that?' earnestly inquired the young man. "'Try us,' said Tommy. "'We're only a few.' At this juncture, all former passengers descended from the car. "'Yours is the route we've been planning,' said the long-haired young man. All the young men boarded the car, singing loudly a song about their dear old something-or-other thomas advanced to the front platform and eight o nine gathered herself and hit the irons per record she passed would-be passengers as the city council passes a bill for more salaries for faithful services she was a gallant sight once when jimmy went aft to tell a funny story he heard the night before eight o nine rammed a street piano with such insistence and velocity that it landed on top of a load of furniture, still playing one of Seuss's marches. The Italian burned his thumb in blazing away at the departing monster with an 89-cent revolver. The young men gathered on the back platform and encouraged him to shoot with a little more art. Three blocks away, speeding toward them, there came a red thing coughing with inhuman rapidity. There were four things in it that looked like Mr. H.G. Wells' inhabitants of the moon. Here's where your nice red hand-painting automobile either takes to its own side of the road or to the trees, shouted Jimmy back to the carload. The young men swung themselves out to see the sight. The road was narrow, the approaching bedevilment streaming dust at every pore, bestrode, or better be wheeled, one rail of the track. "'There's your nice little bubble,' chanted the young men. "'Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. "'Get Pemish there, Jimmy. "'Hit her on the end.' "'Tommy, the mild, called out. "'Just one layer of varnish off will do the trick, Jimmy.' "'Naturally, the man at the wheel of that automobile "'expected the trolley car to stop.' Had it been an ordinary trolley car at the service of mere citizens, it must have stopped. But being an independent state of modern progress, it left restraint behind, and could be seen to move toward that automobile. "'Shove, you shover!' shouted the tallest of the young men. It was high time. The sight of 809 hit the rear tire with a rubbery shriek the red automobile went over a small knoll of loose stone and bunch grass to the left of the road and disappeared from view they can get her back again all right enough said one of the young men whose severe face suggested the mechanical engineer just erect a capstan on top of the hill and her right back i don't know how far she's gone down the other side wish i had asked you to stop and put in a bid for the job too late said tommy there's a long slant ahead of us and we're really going to run i could die trolleying," cooed the stout young man hit her up in front he clambered over the seats towards the front of the car in the general joy and enthusiasm that prevailed another young man began to ring up fares hey what are you doing shouted tommy in the grip of habit then he remembered let her sizzle said he no harm done the register rang the signal bell rang both gongs rang it was somewhat like a party of swiss bell-ringers tobogganing down the matterhorn untrained horses walked upon their hind legs and the vox populi was hushed the fat young man reached the front platform he was not only fat he was also very strong here let me run this old shebang he asked jimmy i won't kill anybody well we're in the open now said jimmy i guess you can't do much damage so he gave him the controller and joined the vocalists minutes passed by to the lilt and swing of such grand old classics as the bulldog and the bullfrog and the rest of it with a xylophone accompaniment, accomplished by drawing a cane across the rods in the backs of the seats. Never had happiness so untrammeled an occupancy. Number 809 spread her long wheels in the ecstasy of freedom. Her motors purred. She passed the high points with loving pats, scarcely touching them. Her inhabitants were carried away and then, like a handful of mud upon the merriment, fell the roar of a man at the controller. He was grinding frantically at the brake. The huge muscles of his back had split his coat in the effort. The party got up and saw ahead of them a sharp incline, ending in an unprotected bridge. "'Jerusalem!' bawled Jimmy suddenly. "'Woods Bridge! The worst in the country!' I forgot it. At that instant, a crack, followed by the jingle of metal, told them that the brake chain was broken. The car, which had slacked a little of its speed, leaped forward again. Turn off your power! Reverse, I mean! yelled Jimmy. Then came a thudding sound on the car's roof. Oh! he groaned. The trolley's off. Near that bridge, a few feet from the side of the track, there was a long haystack. "'Farmers to the front,' said Tommy. "'Every man to the step, and jump.' In a twinkling, twelve young men rolled along a haystack. They rolled and rolled. They gathered much hay, but, still dominant above the mischance, the souls of ten football players and two trolley men rose triumphant. They wanted to see the last of 809. She took the rest of the grade like a bucking bronco. She hit the bridge like an avalanche. Something gave way, or held too strongly. for 809 sprang into the air, turned completely over, and went down in 30 feet of dirty water, trucks up, with a tremendous splash. Silence stared with stony faces. She's gone, said Tommy solemnly beyond recall assented the mechanical engineer and i'm going too said tommy the college men said nothing but as the thin procession topped the hill two miles away the fat man led by twenty yards end of story one recording by tom Penn.